Welcome to Welcome to the Hallwell Manor. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 4, Episode 12 of Charmed. Lost and Bound. So, Max just played for me the trailer for this episode. Mm-hmm. And now we know why there's the scene with Phoebe in the bathtub. Yeah, because that doesn't really relate at all to... I, I'm sorry. I really should like the whole Phoebe gets cursed into being a 50s-style sitcom. Hey, everyone, it's shitty WandaVision. Yeah, yeah. Like, this should be aggressively up my alley, but it's like it was written by someone who's never seen a sitcom before. It's really bizarre. Well, I almost want to save it for our time freeze, but I feel like this is an early 2000s thing to kind of dismiss what women were doing in the 1950s and 60s. But... I watched the trailer and it only talks about the Phoebe thing. I don't even remember what the other plot was. It, it's the Firestarter thing. I don't know why you're saying the other plot. It's the main plot. The Phoebe thing is a subplot. Okay, Phoebe turning into Samantha Stevens might be a subplot, but it was absolutely the starting point. This episode absolutely started with a card on the wall that said Phoebe turns into Samantha Stevens. Which is weird because I, I actually really like this episode minus the Phoebe stuff. And granted, it is hampered by the necessary evil that is child acting yeah i mean it's fine i mean as far as child actors go it's fine yeah he's he's okay he's fine he does a perfectly okay job but like it's a really good piper episode i guess we should be used to the trailers just focusing on the most comedic subplots i mean i feel like they're all just the comedic subplots right yeah i guess so that is weird. It does definitely try to paint a very different picture of Charmed than what Charmed is. And it makes me wonder, is that what the WB wanted Charmed to be? Or is that what they wanted Charmed to be? Like, in the writer's room, was Brad Kern like, let's do an episode where Phoebe becomes Samantha Stevens from Bewitched? That's how I picture his voice. Or was Brad Kern like, ooh, let's do a fire starter, but make it a man because I'm Brad Kern. And then the WB came in and said, can you come up with a way to get Phoebe naked for the trailer? Like, which of those is the way it went down? Okay, but I think the Firestarter plot actually works as a, like, continuing thing with Piper and Leo and their thing about having a baby. Granted, where Piper lands on it doesn't make a ton of sense, although I kind of came around to it by the end of the episode. Uh Uh-huh. Because Piper's thing about not wanting to bind their, at this point, hypothetical child's powers... Hence the title, Lost and Bound seems weird considering how much you know wanting a normal life is her whole thing but her bit at the end of the episode i'm like okay you know what i can actually see it okay i feel like we're getting a lot out before we start talking about the episode but i'm just gonna say it the deal is that she and leo are talking about whether or not their kids powers would be bound and she talks about how grams bound their powers and that left them totally unprepared for the demonic world and the fact is they weren't unprepared because Graham's bound their powers. They were unprepared because nobody told them anything. Mm. Like, it's not all or not. You don't bind your child's powers and pretend you're normal mortals. Or you let him run loose like a toddler with a cannon like Talon over in our other podcast. Farscape. Yes. Farscape. Thank you. But, like, you can bind his powers and have a conversation about what it is to have magic, what it is to be a witch. Oh, it's funny. I'm saying his because we know that their child is male, even though that would yeah, never even occur to them at this point. Yeah. yeah. 
But I like how much this is playing on Piper's, even really early on when we went to the alternate future, her conflict was about whether or not to bind her child's powers to protect, in that case, her. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's a lot of really good character work with Piper in this episode. It's... It's 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 weird for me to say that because I'm like, it's good that Piper, like, the, this is digging into Piper's things and stuff we've talked about with Piper in the past, whereas the Phoebe plot really irritates me when it's building off of the thing that Phoebe's been dealing with all season, which is, I don't know if I want to marry Cole or not because I'm worried about losing my identity. Yeah, she doesn't want to be tied down to a man, even if that man is a sexy former demon. We, we should actually get into the episode. I know we are talking about it. Okay, but... well, one last thing before we start talking about it. The plot, the resolution of Phoebe's plot makes so little sense. And I have not been able to make sense of it for the decades since I first watched this episode until we were talking about it. So I will, I will give you my headcanon at the end of the episode for why I think it works. It is the worst possible way to get to the Phoebe is a sitcom. Movie. It, I... I know you have an explanation. I think the whole the whole reasoning behind the subplot makes no sense. Well, I mean, it only works because I came up with a headcanon that is in no way suggested by the episode. It's just the only way that it makes it work. So, the episode opens with Phoebe being domestic? Huh? Oh my god. An adult woman folding laundry. Have you ever seen anything less empowering? And, and to be fair, like, she does, they do show her folding a pair of boxer briefs so that we understand that she is also folding Cole's laundry. And Cole comes in and is like, ooh, my little woman is folding my laundry. She says, yeah, I wish I could twitch my nose like Samantha Stevens and fold this laundry. By the way, Cole, since you're newly human, have you heard of the television show Bewitched? Can I give you a brief recap on it and how it relates to our situation? Okay, I'm... I I get the impression that Phoebe hasn't seen Bewitched. Granted, I haven't seen a ton of episodes of it, but we watched a bit of it in preparation for WandaVision, and her understanding of the show is weird because she's like, I don't want to be Samantha Stevens because she wanted to be human to please her husband, and that wasn't the dynamic. I mean, the dynamic was that Darren was pressuring her not to use her powers, Right. Well, I mean... And, yeah, she... I mean, that was basically just so that Samantha didn't end every episode right off the bat because she had pressure from her husband, but this isn't the same situation. Cole is very pro-Phoebe being a witch. Yeah. Like, she's worried that her that her marrying Cole will make her a submissive housewife when that's not their dynamic at all. Cole is no Darren. That is absolutely true even though grams is absolutely modeled on endora mm -hmm. even some of her early outfits had a real endora flair a, a little bit of a gothier endora but when she had the like wing dress yes i, I so stan agnes moorhead I, I i really i really want to do a scripted podcast with you at some point that's just like a queer retelling of bewitched someday 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 but yeah, she, you're right. Samantha has to hide her powers because Darren is all uptight about it because he wants to be normal. You know what? This plot would weirdly work a lot better for Piper. Yeah. Because Piper is the one who feels the pressure to be normal, not from Leo, but from her own internal pressure. 
And honestly, let's be let's be completely fair. It's kind of the same with Samantha because yes, she feels pressure from Darren to be normal and immortal and not a witch, but she's a fucking witch. She could like Darren doesn't really have any say in that particular uh, particular arena. It's just this is such a weird fear for Phoebe to have that she's if she's married, then she's not going to be a witch. And it didn't stop. Grams is married significantly to this episode. Grams is married like eight times and she never stopped being a witch. I mean, to be fair, like this is to flesh this out a little bit. It's not necessarily that Phoebe is worried about not being a witch once she gets married. She's worried about being a wife and what she is like. She feels that herself internally is fundamentally opposed to what a witch is. And honestly, this really should have been resolved in the Bonnie and Clyde episode. Like that's what that was about. Yeah. It's just the Bonnie and Clyde episode all over again, except with a vaguely different gimmick. But like she talks about not wanting to be subsumed by the identity of, housewife and cole's like well you could get a job and she's like yeah i'm not doing that oh speaking of that cole needs to work so he's gonna go be a legal aid lawyer for Paige with the social service okay is he not still wanted for murder right like, right like he, he he's not assuming a different identity or anything he's going to work for Paige's uh organization organization or, yeah, yeah. As Cole Turner, is he is he not wanted for murder? I mean, I guess the guy who was investigating him was murdered, so I guess case closed. <laughs> That's how the legal system works in San Francisco, apparently. Anyway, Cole decides that the only reason Phoebe accepted his marriage proposal is because she thought he was going to die and he wasn't going to have to, you know, she wasn't going to have to go through with it. So he reproposes to her just to, like... Make it all official. And he uses Grams's old wedding ring that Piper has given him, which is Piper's nice way of giving them her blessing. Is it, though? She doesn't know what's going to happen. Oh, no. I, I was talking more. As Phoebe mentions, the only real model for marriage she had growing up was Darren and Samantha because Grams was constantly marrying and getting divorced and or murdering, let's be honest here, her husband's. So, like, Samantha and Darren were her only model for marriage. And Cole's like, let me propose to you with the ring your grandmother used with all 12 of her husbands. I keep upping it. I think it was only six. but I think she actually only had three. I think she only married three times. I'm pretty sure she had six. Oh, okay. They say in this episode, like, the, the ring was after the third. Oh, okay, maybe. I don't... Um... You know what? After two, it's all a blur. Yeah, so... It's funny, too. You're right that she would use that ring. I I was going to say I'm not a witch. I, I mean, I, I am Wiccan, but that, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not Samantha Stevens. I'm not a twitcher nose witch. Mm. But even I, when, when I got divorced from my first husband, and when he left, he left his ring on the nightstand. And I was like, I have no idea what to do with this now. Like, it's like from a failed marriage, it has bad energy. Like, what do I do with it? Do I, like, bury it? Do I, like, I, I, I can't give it, like, I can't give it to someone because it's it's from a it's from a, a marriage that has ended. Like what what do I do with this? What do I do with it? No, seriously, Max, what do you do with that? I I, I honestly think burying would be the spiritually correct thing to do. But okay, I'm sorry. This just reminds me of going to go off on a little tangent here. I'm reading a book by Sloane somebody. It's called uh, 
I was told there would be cake. Yes, yes. And one of the first, it's a collection of essays because I'm like, you know, I, I really like David Sedaris. I really like Augustine Burroughs. There's there's a lot of people who write essays. That's like the kind of book that I like because you can kind of just dip in and out. Right. Uh-huh. And one of the first ones is about this like weird thing she's worried about. If she dies suddenly, then her loved ones will find this collection she has under her bed of plastic ponies. And she's like. I, I'm worried, you know, that they'll think I, I'm some weird giant freak because I've got all these. And it's because she, when, when she starts dating a guy, one of the one of her like in jokes and it became an in joke for every relationship was the guy asked her, oh, you know, what do you want? And she says a pony and like clockwork, whoever she's dating at the time will give her a plastic pony. Right. Like my little pony pony. Yeah. And now she has a big she's a bin full of them. And she's like, I feel like I can't just give them away. Because then the bad relationship karma will get whoever I give them to. So I can't just, like, give them the goodwill. And she ends up leaving them on the subway. And I'm like, how is that functionally any different from just giving them to goodwill? But whatever. It's like that uh, Richard Matheson story, The Box. Now the bad karma will just find a person you don't know. So it's okay. (laughs) It's one of those things where I'm like, okay, this author is not that much older than me. But at the same time, I'm like, I can't imagine anyone we know being embarrassed by having like if you if you died generally you if anyone in our social circle died and we found a box full of plastic ponies under their bed that would be the least big deal in the world right who can like if that's what you're embarrassed by then you are entry level my friend Until recently, I myself had a bin of My Little Ponies just sitting around. And the reason I had a bin of My Little Ponies sitting around was because it was one of my many, many... I want to get into this art project of refurbishing dolls, but I never actually did it. And finally, I decided I'm not going to do it. So I gave it to, like, my friend's eight-year-old daughter. I gave her the whole bin. But yeah, least surprising thing. I know you didn't ask what I did do with the ring. Oh, what did you do? It's I, still I, in that drawer! Well, yeah, I assumed it was still hanging around somewhere. Oh, it is. It's still in that drawer. <laughs> also, you didn't ask what I did with my ring. Oh, what did you do? Is I had already awesome? lost it. <laughs> so, yeah, Cole is going to go to work for Paige, and Phoebe is just going to have to deal with that, but now she's got a shiny new ring to distract her. Uh, literally shiny. It shines so that we know that there's a magic curse on it and things are going to go down. And speaking of things going down... Yes, there are foster parents yeah they're foster parents parents. they're foster parents uh two foster parents are attempting to talk to their foster son through a door uh woman blonde kid blonde oh yeah evil and well i mean he's not gonna die but because he's a child but yeah yeah. and and we see that he's a fire starter he's he's upset about something that has happened that we don't know but in his upsetness he sets his bed on fire with his mind yes and that's one of the turns in this episode that happens halfway through, but at this point, it really seems like the foster parents are just concerned about him. Like, they're like, it's fine, whatever, we can talk about it, we can work it out. And as I as I just implied with my statement, that will not be the case. Yeah. And, and as you implied by letting us know that this woman is blonde. Yeah, we know. Evil or victim. I mean, honestly, though, in this case, it could have been either. Yeah. I guess our, our general rule for blonde is evil or dead, which... But, you know, a victim, like the blonde lady who, uh, you know, the blonde lady who was Jovna's victim just got turned really old. She didn't die. And then that was undone by the end of the episode. 
She was fine. Definitely no lasting trauma from that. And the uh, the kid that those eyesight-stealing demons got was just blind for a lot of that episode. Yes. But, uh, yeah, this kid's a fire starter, and he has the same haircut I had back in the 90s. He had the same haircut that every, like, 11-year-old kid, 11, 12-year-old kid had in the 90s. That bowl haircut. Yeah, like, bowl cut kind of mullety thing. Like, hard bangs. Yeah. Yeah, I I aggressively had this hairstyle back. But, yes, there there was a, a girl in my class who had a very similar hairstyle. And occasionally our parents would almost pick up the wrong kid. That's kind of funny. Oh, can I mention something? Like, so, uh, we went to Thanksgiving at your parents yesterday. Mm-hmm. And your parents have, like, a little doll that I assume was yours when you were a child that looks like you as a child. Yeah, I was always kind of creeped out by it, but. Okay, because I saw the doll and I immediately recognized it as looking like you as a child. Like, it looks a lot like you as a child. Yeah. And now Sam is playing with it. And I just, doesn't that feel like the start of a horror movie? Yes. <laughs> Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah, it's a horror movie concept. Okay. Just just making sure that you are also aware of what's going on over there. It was a nice gesture that my parents bought the doll. No, I can totally see that. Yeah, I mean, that's a thing, right? Yeah, but, like, always creepy. <laughs> always. It's, it's, it, it just, it reminds me of those dolls that people buy when, like, their pets die, or more darkly, their children die. Because there are services that will make... I know, I know. But also, okay, but it's... It, you're, you're making that part much darker than it needs to be. Because American Girl, like... As soon as American Girl doll branched out, outside of just doing, like, the historical dolls, the very next thing they did was branch into, we will make a doll that looks like your kid so that your kid can have their own little mini-me to play with. That's, like, a totally normal thing for kids to do. The thing is that you grow up, and then your child is playing with a child you, like, uh, like, uh, Meet the Robinsons, the movie. Ugh. Not the book. Not the much superior book. I really like the movie. Uh, the book is the book is beautiful and the illustration is beautiful, but I really like the story of the movie. But then, unlike unlike you, I love a time travel story. Mm. So yeah, kid Firestarter. This is going to be the a plot for this episode. Not mentioned at all in the trailer. So, for a change, Piper and Leo are fighting. You what? might. Yeah, you might not believe this, but Piper and Leo are fighting. Now, now, Max, to be fair, you know that the honeymoon is the hardest time of any marriage. That's why they call it the honeymoon period. To be fair, we're out of it, but they've been they've been fighting pretty consistently since they got married. I mean, all of the things that you should work out before you get married, they did not even touch on. And of course, this is a huge one, which is what would it be like to raise children together? Like... Figure that out before you get married, people. That's going to be like a huge, huge thing in your marriage if you are not on the same page. To be fair, the whole reason they got married was so that the elders wouldn't blow them up. But You know what? It's a mess all the way down. But Phoebe comes in and she's pouring coffee and she's pouring it in this like really awkward manner so she can show off her engagement ring. And be like, ooh, look at my ring. I'm an engaged lady. I love how much Paige, uh, like, all credit to Rose McGowan, she's doing a really good job being like, oh, that's so nice for you, in a way that 
Phoebe would not pick up on per se, but would be very obvious to literally everyone else. I also love that Paige is like, yeah, I was the same way when I got my belly button pierced and I was all like, ooh, look at my belly ring all over the place. Like, <laughs> People don't like it when you do that. Just a heads up for people who are interested in having conversations with other people. I, I did not realize until this watch through how much Paige is absolutely my favorite. I love Paige. So Phoebe notices that Leo and Piper are conspicuously not talking to each other. And she's like, oh, God, what is it this time? And they're having the fight that we'd already talked about. The idea about if they have a kid, are they going to bind? Sorry, pronouns are really weird here because they're assuming it will be a girl. But obviously we already know it'll be a boy. Yeah. Are they going to bind her powers or not? Which, you know... They don't know that the kid's going to be omnipotent yet. Although Leo says, as a half-lighter, half-witch, our child will be doubly blessed. And Paige is like, does that mean I'm more powerful than regular witches? And Piper's like, <laughs> no. I, okay, I would feel like binding a toddler's powers would be like any sort of toddler proofing, right? Mm -hmm. It's just basic child proofing. But it doesn't mean that you have to lie to them about the magical world. You still introduce them to the magical world. And then you, like, teach them to use their powers responsibly. Like, it's called parenting, Piper. Jesus Christ. Okay, so here's where we're getting into kind of a continuity tangle. Because they've never been super consistent about this. And God knows they don't reference the warlock anymore. Uh-huh. But the first time we saw Piper and Prue and pre-Phoebe, but Phoebe's childhood, they were aware of their powers. Like, yes. the reason Grams bound their powers was because there was a warlock who was specifically after them, and if she, if she bound their powers, then he would have no reason to kill them because he couldn't get the powers. They kind of drop that as a thing... Like, that doesn't get mentioned at all in the discussion of why their powers were bound when they were children. This is definitely a continuity issue. There's definitely molecular combustion happening here. I am going to forgive it, though, if only because... I feel like the writers are looking at this and going, Okay, wait, but if you have a toddler who can blow things up like Piper can, how do you even deal with that? And that's clearly something they should have thought of before. <laughs> Well, I mean, she just had time freeze back then. Oh, I, I'm talking about her potential child. Yeah. Who will presumably, since she is a charmed one, be even more powerful than she was. Yes. Since she's a charmed one and she's married to Leo. Like, and presumably Leo will be the father. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, Paige is sitting right there. Oh, what? Oh, what? Sam wasn't married to Patty. Yeah, but he was the white lighter. Oh, I meant presumably Piper's child will be with her husband. What other men does she interact with? I mean, I guess it could be Daryl's, but that's basically it, right? I guess that's fair. It, it could be it, it could be some random musical act that comes through the club. It could be Dishwalla's child. <laughs> yes. The child of Dishwalla. I mean, the child of Dishwalla is going to be even more powerful than a Lightwider's child. I mean, it's Dishwalla. Is that why Chris is so much less powerful than Wyatt? 
Because Wyatt is the child of Piper and Dishwalla, and Chris is the child of Piper and Leo. Yes, absolutely, 100%. Call back to a previous episode featuring Dishwalla. The greatest band of all time. I like that you went with Dishwalla and not neighbor Dan, who Piper was actually dating at that point. Oh, yeah. Neighbor Dan, whatever. We all saw Jenny. Neighbor Dan's not producing a powerful child. Although I guess Jenny was his niece. Mm, Whatever. It doesn't true. matter. doesn't matter. But in the past life episode, it said they were destined to be together. Oh, yeah, right? So Cole comes downstairs and Phoebe rushes to him and is like, oh, my, my man's off to work. And I really like what they're doing with her slowly transforming into a housewife. So I just want to note that at this point, she's wearing like a pink button down shirt. Normal shirt. Normal for Phoebe. Maybe it covers a little more skin than Phoebe usually covers, but not anything out of the ordinary. The thing is, I would like this subplot if it was better written. I don't know why I phrased it like that. I mean, obviously, obviously. If, it, <laughs> if it was better written, I would like it more. But, like, there are a bunch of little touches I like about the Phoebe storyline, like the subtle shift into her being a housewife. Yeah, that's why I'm bringing up the good stuff. You, you Look, I don't like the plot either for the same reasons you don't, but I'm going to be good cop on this one. Okay. Fair. Like there is such a thing, but I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> say the good stuff and you say the bad stuff. I mean, not really. We're both gonna say whatever we want to say. So Paige's like, "Come on, Cole, let's go uh, earn some bread." Yeah, that that sweet sweet social worker money. Yeah, and uh, Phoebe's like, "Look at us, we're so bewitched. You're going to get the money, and I'm gonna stay home and not do anything, even though I graduated college." Like, I feel like. Phoebe's subplot shouldn't be I'm afraid to lose my personality in getting married. It should be I graduated college randomly halfway through last season and have done literally nothing since then. Shouldn't it be about like I know this is sort of about her finding her identity, but shouldn't she be like going out for jobs or going harder into being a witch? But that wouldn't be all about a man and then that wouldn't work for Phoebe's plots. I I hate that they made Phoebe's plots all about either the man or the absence of a man like basically from here on out like it sucks that i'm actively looking forward to ask phoebe but in every episode it's like what is phoebe doing with all of her free time at least in ask phoebe she gets to do something but even then she doesn't get the ask phoebe position due to any agency of hers any action of hers it just falls in her lap hey she when that woman was cursed or whatever she she ghost wrote a column so she wouldn't get fired, and it was so good she got fired anyway. I'm sorry, it was so good that she quit and gave Phoebe her column. Yeah, we'll talk about that in four episodes. Uh, wow, that's soon. I know, right? We're Well, okay, on the one hand, it's soon. On the other hand, I thought we were getting to Ask Phoebe in episode 10, so I'm like, where is Ask Phoebe? So. How is this the thing that sticks for Phoebe? I know, of all of the things that she picks up and discards. Oh, I also want to point out that, I don't know if it's a thing or not, but I just want to point out that in this episode, she is Samantha Stevens. In, in quotes. In, in quotes. And in season one, she was dressed as uh, Barbara Eden from, yeah, from I Dream of Jeannie. So she's just really... Uh, also, even though, as you pointed out, she seems to not know the plot of Bewitched. Mm-hmm. It is in keeping that Phoebe would be the one who's into old TV shows. That's that's in Phoebe's character. So. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally buy this as a plot conceit. It's just, the, just it, it's the execution. Yeah. So, uh, 
so Cole and Paige are at the office, and I guess this woman is like working for the legal department or something because it's not Paige's boss. No, she's the woman who comes in to talk with them is head of legal aid. So I guess legal aid works with the social services division that Paige works for. Eh, I can see that. Yeah, no, sure. That's... Wraparound services. That's fine. Yeah. And she's like, hey, Cole, so you're going to be dealing with a slumlord. And, you know, you have to do this, that, and the other thing. Cole's like, why is my office so small? And she's like, do, do you not get how public services work? And he's like, when I, was a, when I was a demon lawyer, I had a really big office, but now I've got a little office. I can barely, I can barely stick my arms out and spin around in a circle, which... What a weird thing to do in your new office. Well, I mean, okay. It's it's not the ridiculously tiny office from Better Off Ted. I actually, I am kind of on Cole's side here. Mm-hmm. In that the office is, is shown as being ridiculously tiny to make a point at, at, how, at how different Cole's lifestyle is going to be now working for legal aid than it was when he was a district attorney. And I have worked for cash-strapped offices before i work i work for a i work for a nonprofit now cole is on one of those flimsy white folding tables i have never at any point not had an actual desk and the filing cabinets are directly behind him and there's like a foot of clearance between the filing cabinets and the front of the desk you literally can't open those filing cabinets the feng shui in this office is just all wrong and i anyway I'm on Cole's side, even though I understand that it's being exaggerated to make a point, like the ridiculously tidy office and better off Ted. So Paige's boss. Com- I mean, I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> I, I'm not done. I'm not done. Like as Cole, it's not even like, why is this office so small? It's like, who put the filing cabinets here? They're, you're telling me there's not one other wall we could put the filing cabinets against? Okay. Now I'm done. So Paige's boss comes up to her and he's like, hey, Paige, here's a blonde kid. Deal with it. And then he walks off, and uh, Paige is dealing with Tyler, who, uh, he's a runaway at this point. He has run away. Yeah, the cops brought him in. They found him sleeping outside. Weird not to have Daryl here. I mean, I guess Daryl doesn't need to be in every episode, but... I, I It would have added an extra step to have Daryl be the one who brought him into social services. But yeah, it would also have been a chance to use Daryl, who is, after all, a front-credited character that we never, ever get. Criminally underutilized. I, I really like Daryl. It's a pity he's not in the show more. And his plots are always fun. The episode where he gets super strength. Yes. Because having a character who actively hates magic, who isn't Piper, no, but having a character who's, like, actively negative about magic, having to deal with magic stuff, is almost always fun. I mean, to be fair, though, Daryl had to go off and bring plot hooks to, uh... David Hasselhoff at Baywatch Nights. Okay, Baywatch Nights was like a decade before Charmed. Yes, I know, I know. So the Paige's boss establishes, like, okay, this kid has an issue that he's not willing to talk about. He says he's not being abused at home, but there's something going on. And then the kid accidentally sets a fire with his mind. Yeah, the kid gets upset. He sets a trash can on fire. Paige clocks this. She sees that it's the kid who set the fire. Even though the rest of the office is just like, oh no, a trash can spontaneously combusted. And the kid runs out and Paige runs after him. I mean, way to be on the ball, Paige, right? She's my favorite sister. 
no, no, no equivocation. Paige is my favorite sister. Also, I did not realize it when I got dressed today, but I am wearing the same outfit that Paige is wearing in this episode. Yeah, that is kind of a weird coincidence. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, I love how direct Paige is being here because she, she goes after the kid and she's like, hey, so I saw that you have superpowers and I want you to know that I also have superpowers. I'm part of a group of people who has superpowers and I'm here to help you. Like, we're not doing the weird pussyfooting around, you know. We're just establishing that this is the situation and that I am someone who can help you with this situation. And Well, you know my rule, my newly established rule about supernatural stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it doesn't quite it doesn't quite work here, although the spirit of the rule still applies. And that is that when a supernatural element is introduced into a television show or a movie, you have 15 minutes for the rest of the cast to accept the premise. Otherwise, I am out and it is boring. It should not have taken like an episode and a half for uh, Jay for Jay to accept that his wife could see ghosts in the U.S. remake of Ghosts. I feel like we've talked about this exact situation, but it's when the rule got established because in the British version, Mike, the British Jay... Right off the bat, oh, my wife can see ghosts. Premise accepted. Yeah. Well, so it's the same thing here, right? The kid blows up the trash can. Paige is like, oh, it's okay. I also am a witch. I will help you out. We're not doing that bullshit from last episode where we pretend that we don't tell people about our powers. We tell people about our powers all the fucking time. Also, I guess in that episode, Paige is the one who wanted to tell everybody, so it all tracks. Well, they also showed a whole jury. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. It's true. Actually, the the whole secrecy thing only applied to Paige because Piper decided to intimidate the magic club owner by blowing up the club around him until he confessed to murder. Yeah, yeah. I guess the rules only apply to Paige. Huh. Get Poor ready Paige. for that to be for the rest of the show. Also, I was apparently wrong and Paige's friend does come back in a later episode. Oh, really? Okay. I also thought this was his last episode because he feels like he should be a bigger part of the show than he is. Yeah, but I think he only has one more. So back inside the social services thing, Tyler's foster parents come up to Paige's boss and they're like, hi, we're looking for our son. He's got a blonde bowl cut. He ran away from home. Mysterious fires spring up around him. <laughs> and the and the social worker is like, oh, he was here, but we lost him. And the mother starts freaking out, so the father pulls her aside into a closet and is like, hey, hey, you have to act like a human parent who's worried about their kid, not a demon bounty hunter who's trying to track down a fire starter to sell him to the source. Yeah, a lot of exposition in this closet, and she's like... I guess the turn came faster than I remembered it coming. And it, she's like, but a human mother would be concerned about the, you know, her human son, and he's like, hey, shut up. We just have to wait for him to use his powers again because we can track him through his powers. Did everyone get all of that? <laughs> have we set up enough of the episode for you? Uh, anyway, back at the manor, the sisters are talking about the kid and what they're going to do about the kid. And Paige talks about him, like, feeling like an outsider. And then is like, because honestly, he, he is an outsider. This is the thing about being a child with magic. Hey, does this relate to the thing you two were arguing about earlier? Well, I was going to say, Leo's like, well, I guess we should bind his powers. And Piper's like, oh, I have to make this all about my thing. How dare you take away what it is that makes him him? The part that makes him uniquely him. And it's like, well, you know, you don't have... Okay, so first of all, he's old enough that you can ask him what he wants. Secondly, you don't... I... 
Stop making your thing this kid's thing. Like, honestly, that's why you two are going to make terrible parents. <laughs> Some child shows up and you immediately turn your own fight. Like, you turn him into a proxy battleground for your own fight. Yeah, your kids are going to do great. I also know that we can't get too much into it because it hasn't been established yet, but if only there was some sort of school where children with uncontrollable magic gifts could learn to use those uncontrollable magic gifts. If only there was some sort of magic school. Also, I know that they can't do this because it's a television show, but it just really feels like they should take this kid in. Well, that's what Piper's saying here. Piper is pitching, we will take in... Tyler, Tyler's the kid's name, we'll take in Tyler and we'll teach him how to use his powers. You know, like how we took in Aviva and taught her how to use her powers. Or like how we took in Max, the uh, psychokinetic kid, and taught him how to use his powers. I just, you know what would be really useful? If there was a running, supporting cast in the show. Ex- I mean... No, exactly. Yeah. If, if we ever saw the Charmed Ones hooked up with any other kind of magical community that could help this kid out. I heard that Neutrum kind of tried that, but then whiffed it. What a shock. Mm. But There's a similar thing in Stargate, um, where there's a child that kind of is in this situation, and one of the characters is like, okay, I guess I will... One of the main characters is like, okay, I guess I'll take her in and raise her and do all that. And the funny thing is, because most of the show happens on the Stargate base, like, we see her again three times, probably. Like, no more than three times, but it's like... Oh, yeah, no, I'm still raising her. She's at my house. No biggie. I mean, I was making fun of magic school, and to be clear, magic school is hella dumb and kind of underutilized. It's weird because it's both too much of the show and also graphically underutilized as a concept. Okay, well, so it's bad in concept because they're like, oh... The wizard school thing is big right now, so we should have our own wizard school. And it's like, that's not what your show is. But then also, you drop it just as quickly instead of trying to actually integrate it into the show. It just becomes the place where they drop off the kids when they've hit the acceptable number of hours to film baby actors. It's the Ross's mom of Charmed. Which, to be fair, they should they should have had that, but maybe not a school, maybe... Actually, I mean, we complain about all the time that there's no extended magical community in this show. So, and honestly, I, I again, I know it's a it's a shitty Harry Potter ripoff thing, but there are things about magic school conceptually that I like. the uh, The bit where Phoebe, uh, I mean, it's it's terrible, and it leads to one of Phoebe's worst running plots. But the thing where that girl who kind of, like, exists on the astral plane draws Phoebe into a vision quest, and she talks about how magic school is a different thing for the different people who use it, and for her it's this weird ethereal nether space where she can draw in lost souls and guide them on their path. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I like that. I like the idea that the school kind of shifts depending on what you need it to be. But... It's never really explored like that again. Like, it's this, like... And also, it it has Gideon, who is one of my favorite big bads of Charmed. And Although, honestly, I'm just... I'm, I'm already... We're not... We're three seasons away from it, and I'm already tired by the thing where the demons take over magic school. I'm like, I'm pre-exhausted. We haven't even gotten magic school yet, and I'm pre-exhausted. Okay, so I, I, I also want to really briefly 
touch on Tyler as a character, speaking of magic school, since we are speaking of magic school. Okay. I haven't read the later Charmed comics. I'm aware of them. I've read some stuff about them, but I haven't actually sat down and read them. Me either, even though, like, they're physically in our house. (laughs) Yes. But Tyler comes back as a reoccurring character later in the comics. Uh Uh-huh. He he's a student at magic school. He gets his fire starter powers back. He's apparently one of Charm's first, depending on how you count it, canonically gay characters. Oh, interesting. Which I wonder if they ran that by the actor for or probably not, but like and I think that's kind of an interesting plot to bring back this character as this, you know, realizing, hey, he, they don't have it in this episode, but there is literally a system that is set up to support characters like Tyler. Okay, you know what? I think that when we're done with this podcast, we're going to have to talk about the comics. Because it from everything I hear, the comics do all of the things that we complain that the show never does. Including like picking up these characters that just get dropped. Or these one-off characters. Uh, remember we talked earlier about how in the comics the person that phoebe murders in morality bites like that comes back like we get that backstory yeah it turns out that uh the that she uh she murdered him in revenge for him murdering elise yeah so i think that we're gonna have to talk about the comics when we're done with the tv show yeah I think all right it's a possibility all right so more charmed just what, just what i wished for but enough Charmed. Let's go back to talking about Charmed. So, yes, Leo and Piper are making whether or not to bind this kid's powers part of their weird argument about their potential future children when Phoebe comes in and she's made cookies. Also, she has, like, sprayed her hair up. Like, her hair is just subtly different now. It's got kind of a bump to it and, like, a bump and a wave, like a, a kind of 60s curl at the bottom to it. Because she's slowly, slowly becoming a 1960s housewife. And just in case you didn't notice it, Piper's like, hey, Phoebe, lay off the hairspray. Um, I'm sorry, you don't know she's under a spell, so that's just a rude thing to say. She tried to do something nice with her hair, and you're like, by the way, your hair looks like shit. And it looks perfectly fine. I like it. It looks nice. It looks nice. Also, we, we didn't mention it. I think it probably happened in between seasons, but Phoebe is very conspicuously not blonde anymore. Oh, yeah, that did happen, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, her blonde was never, like, super blonde, but... We're not trying to, uh, we're not trying to pretend she's Buffy anymore. Now we're trying to pretend she's Samantha Stevens. So Tyler's just playing a video game in the foyer, and Piper's like, Hey, Paige, I know how you thought this was going to be your plot, but nope. (laughs) It's all about me now. And this is the thing that really sells the episode to me. I really like Piper's dynamic with this kid. He's not a great actor, he's fine, but it, it's sort of the thing about playing off a child actor. But I do like that this is a character that Piper is kind of, she's relating to. That's sort of an underplayed thing in mentor-student relationships, that there needs to be this point of connection where Piper has been in his position. Oh, yeah. Especially with her explodey power. Like, she she tells him, like, look, I know what it's like to have a power that you can't control. And he's like, really? And she she demonstrates by blowing up a face. And he's like, well, that's different. That's cool. She's like, don't worry, that was pages. I don't care about it. 
But Paige is shit all the time. She does. Remember she pooped that chair? Yeah. And and she's like, look, when I first got this power, I couldn't control it. But over time, I've I've learned. And he's like, I wish I could learn to control mine. And she's like, well, you just need to find the root of your power. What's the thing that activates your power? For me, it's pointing like this with both of my hands. <laughs> He says that his foster mother was yelling at him, telling him he was good for nothing, making him angry. And that's when he set the couch on fire. And of course, now that we know that his foster mother is a demon bounty hunter, we understand that she was trying to make him angry to activate his powers. Again, God, I love the way Piper handles this. Because when when he's talking about his foster mother yelling at him, he gets upset again. And a chair bursts into flames, and he's like, oh, no. And Piper Piper calms him down. She's like, look, it's okay. She's very calm. She does that thing that you're supposed to do where she demonstrates the uh, attitude that that you kid, want yeah that you want the kid to mirror well i mean first she freezes it because she has freezing powers yeah she, like like don't don't forget she's able to be calm because she has magic yeah and she she says look in this house it's not a big deal fire is not a big deal in this house and she freezes it and i know that they're not going to bring this kid back they're not going to have a reoccurring kid character reoccurring kid characters are kind of the worst but i really like this dynamic and i wish it had been followed up on more just like I wish Paige's thing with the Psycho Connecticut had been followed up more. Just like I wish Phoebe's dynamic with Aviva had been followed up on more. Like, it is it is cool to see the sisters in this mentor role, especially now that they're on a higher level. And we're seeing a little bit of it with Paige. But... So, so am I given to understand that you're excited for Billy to show up? Weirdly, kind of. <laughs> I mean, they are terrible mentors to Billy. <laughs> And it doesn't help that Billy's kind of more competent than them right off the bat. Yeah, well, she had to be. She doesn't have the powers they have. Although it does also make sense because at the point in the show, like, they are turning their back on witchcraft. So it makes sense that Billy and Billy is in the fighting demons is fun part. Also, at that point in the show, the actresses are done. Yes. So back in the kitchen, Phoebe is cooking. She's baking. And now she has added an apron to her look. Yep, she's very domestic, and Leo comes into the room, and Leo is just kind of like... Leo's like, I know something is up, but I have more important things, like my fight with my wife, so I'm just gonna raise an eyebrow. I know it's bad, I know from a character standpoint it is bad, but I I kind of love how much everyone is ignoring that something magical is clearly (laughs) up with Phoebe. She was possessed by a ghost like two episodes ago. You think you'd have an eye out for radical personality shifts? She she asks she asks Leo. She's like, "Is that sweet little boy staying for lunch?" And he's like, "Yes." And she's like, "Peach Keen." And he's like, "I will circle back to this when I'm done fighting with Piper. I.e., never." So Cole calls and he's all frustrated because, you know, there's an evil landlord who's a slumlord who's making life hard for people. And he very mildly swears in and Phoebe's like, don't make me come down there and wash your mouth out with soap, mister. Just kidding. I'm going to make you a martini and a red steak because that's all I know about the 60s. I appreciate she's not doing baby voice again. Like in the Southern Ghost episode, I appreciate that she's trying some character acting that's not baby voice, but... Eh. So, so the doorbell rings and Tyler's foster parents come in and Phoebe's doing her whole Donna Reed if you have a concussion thing. 
and Piper's just side-eyeing her, and he, she's like... This is the thing. Piper and Leo have both noticed that she's acting weird, and they have both chosen to do nothing about it. They're like, huh, okay. <laughs> we'll deal with this when it becomes an active issue. <laughs> anyway, they ask the parents, they're like, how did you know Tyler was here? And they try to fake it for like three seconds. They're like, maternal instinct. No, nope, um, never mind. A mother no- Fireball! <laughs> or energy ball, I guess. Yeah, so they just start... Attacking the sisters, and then the sisters start fighting back because, oh, hey, guess what? They're witches. Yeah. Like. The foster parents were following Tyler's <laughs> powers, so they were not expecting him to be in a house of witches. And they are surprised, although only for, like, a second. So the the foster mother throws an energy ball at Piper, and Leo tackles her out of the way, exposing Tyler to the <laughs> foster parents. You're on your own, kid! Not your white lighter! Which, Which is have... weird because shouldn't the reaction have been for Piper to freeze that energy ball? Maybe she would have done that if Leo hadn't tackled her. But uh, Tyler's like, leave her alone. And the foster mother's like, shut up, Tyler, you good for nothing piece of shit. And then Tyler does the like face scrunchy thing and he burns the foster parents up. It holds a little longer than, uh, you know. It's pretty gruesome. It's a little gruesome, even though it's it's not like that guy getting eaten by rats in the last episode. That which was intense. Was way more intense than Charmed usually is, but it holds on them a little, and they're like, ah, we're screaming, we're on fire. Blah, 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 blah. Death. And then we cut to, like, a few seconds later, and Piper and Leo are comforting Tyler. They're like, it's okay, Tyler. It's fine to murder bad people. Hmm. Maybe this is why Wyatt's so messed up in the future? Like... I appreciate that Tyler's acknowledging how really messed up you would be after murdering two people, even if they were apparently demons. Like, he's like, I've never killed anyone before. Like, I I, I didn't want to hurt them. I just wanted them to stop yelling. And Piper's like, they were, they were evil. It's fine. It's fine. My baby is going to stab a man with Excalibur later in this show. It's fine. Piper takes... Leo and Tyler upstairs to look at the Book of Shadows. She shows Tyler the entry for Demon Bounty Hunters. And he says, so if they're bad, that means I didn't do anything wrong. And oh my god. Also, I just have to point out, because this is a thing, and it's so weird, and it has happened multiple times, and it's going to happen again. And I didn't notice it until Piper stood up. But Piper has this look she does where she has, like, a big comfy sweater on top and leather pants on bottom. What What is that? Okay, yeah, I really like Piper's top. The leather pants are such a weird choice to go with it. I'm also not a big leather pants fan in general. Look, leather pants have a place, and that place is dancing on a bar in Coyote Ugly. Like... Oh, I, I was going to say on Ross Geller. Or on Ross Geller. My point is that leather pants are not a thing that you wear around the house. They're not comfortable. You wear them because you want... a to achieve a certain look and that look is not giant comfy wool sweater on top i don't know what piper is going for here so tyler's like am i in the book and piper's like i'm way better at the book than i usually am you are you're right here i guess maybe she looked it up ahead of time she didn't she would have had a chance to maybe grams is just being way more useful and she's whispering in piper's ear <laughs> perhaps but piper immediately flips to the fire starter page which does not comfort Tyler at all, because it's like, 
Mortals who are born with a special magical gift, they're usually abducted and forced to serve the source of all evil as bodyguards, which... He's like, wait, so if I serve the source of all evil, does that not mean I am evil? And she's like, no, no, it's just that you might possibly, probably be kidnapped and forced to do evil. Not that you inherently are evil. Okay, she says a thing, which I feel like the show does not follow up on at all, where she says, she's like powers aren't evil it's what you choose to do with the powers like in reality we know that to be true but that is absolutely not the morality of charmed yeah cole got more evil every time he used his shimmer which is not inherently it's just it's teleportation but every time he used it it was treated as dragging him closer to the dark side or whatever so but also don't don't sleep on the other thing that tyler is being told which is that People will want to use him for his powers, and he will basically never stop being chased down. Yeah, like, Piper's trying to comfort him by being like, look, you're not evil, it's just evil people want your power, which, not the most comforting thing in the world. Yeah, they which s- is weird, because I feel like there could have been a thing here, because he's, he's a foster kid, he's, like, in the system, he's just been housed with bounty hunters, um, and I feel like there could have been a thing where she tells him that because he it says that the power is coveted. He asks what that means, and Piper tells him it means highly desirable, wanted, and like there could have been a thing there where he is feeling wanted now when yeah, he didn't they, before. But they don't they don't touch on that at all. They don't really play with that enough, which you'd think they would, because he does mention that he's never really felt wanted before. But no, yeah, we I don't get that. I I feel like this episode was like two two drafts away from being a really good episode. Again, I still do really like the main plot. So Phoebe is cooking in the kitchen. She's making soup for Cole and singing a song about making soup for Cole. And she, she's she's chopping things up and putting them into the pot. And Leo mentioned before we cut to Phoebe, Leo mentioned that the demons were probably tracking him through his power. So now that he's used them again, they can expect more demons. And it's okay. Like, it's the manor. Surely it's warded against demons. Well, Piper's like, oh, oh no, demons in the manor? That never happens. <laughs> Sarcastically, of course. She, she, She's like, look, it's no big... A kid who barely knows how to use his powers managed to take down these demons. I think I can handle them. So in the kitchen, a demon shows up. It goes to attack Phoebe, who just screams like a stereotypical 60s housewife. And Piper has to come downstairs and rescue her. And is like, um, is there a reason that you're not fighting what is happening to you okay so before like piper runs downstairs and blows up the guy and as he's being blown up he's like oh no ludlow wants the kid and i was supposed to get him for ludlow ah and and piper's like piper says the thing to me she's like you didn't feel like you needed to defend yourself and he was like well i was going to scratch him and piper's like okay whatever ludlow like she also she doesn't really follow up on the whole she absolutely does not follow up and she says she's gonna go get ludlow and phoebe's like okay just be home in time for dinner just speaking of not being wanted does nobody care that phoebe is clearly under a spell no no one cares again i'm into it i'm into the fact that everyone's like yeah whatever like i kind of wish that had been played for comedy because it's kind of hilarious how little anyone cares that phoebe is under a spell but Piper also tells her to call Paige and tell Paige to come home. So, phone transition. Been a while since we've had one of those. Yes! So, God. Phoebe calls 
Phoebe calls Paige and she's like, hey, whatever, uh, Samantha's cousin, Serena, I think. She's like, hey, Serena, it's Samantha. And Paige is like, Phoebe? And she's like, yeah, there's a demon or whatever. You should probably come home. I'm making soup. And Paige is like, okay, not dealing with this. Click. Well, the reason she's not dealing with it, by the way, is because Cole is beating up the landlord. It's pretty great. Cole's just, Cole, like, throws the guy through a plate glass window, and he's, like, punching him in the face and stomping on him, and the guy's like, I'm gonna sue you, and Cole's like, I'm gonna kill you! <laughs> okay, here's, here's, here's my thing, and I, 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 am, I have to admit my bias here, because I, I am a JD, I did, I did go to law school, and I understand that the temptation here is for Cole to be like, I'm just going to beat the shit out of you because you're a bad person and you're escaping any sort of repercussions. But remember, Cole is not just a demon. He actually went to law school. He has he has a degree. Cole, if you punch him, people are just going to stop you from punching him. You can absolutely use the legal system to make him suffer. What is wrong with you? I mean, I know that what's wrong is... Cole would absolutely do that. He would absolutely be good at it. And then that they wouldn't be able to do the plot where he doesn't have a job. But I mean, I'm very frustrated that Cole's not actually doing the thing that these demons had this rigged magic shop thing. I forget the mechanics of it, but they somehow used that to get the money to send him to a good law school. These demons sent you to law school, Cole. Can you not use your degree? I'm frustrated that they're bringing this in after he's not a demon anymore because we talked about a lot the thing See, that I'm sorry. Yeah, I cut you off to agree with you. Yes. If, if he was a demon and he was like, okay, I'm just going to use my powers to blow you up. Yeah, I'm on board with that. Yeah, that should have been the conflict. It shouldn't have been like a weird once you kill a witch, you get addicted to witch killing and you. It should have been, no, Cole is using his demonic powers to do bad things to bad people when you should not be using magic punishments for mundane evils. Like, that should have been the conflict instead of just evil's a drug or whatever and we need to get cold. Also, he's not a demon anymore and he's still immediately defaulting to violence. So. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe it has nothing to do with being a demon. Maybe that's just Cole. Back at the manor, we see Tyler playing on his Game Boy again. Oh, Cole's fired, by the way. Oh, yeah. So fired. We see... Tyler played on his Game Boy back at the manor, which reminds me, didn't we just tell Tyler that it's okay for him to kill bad people? Why is that not okay for Cole? Bad magic people. Right, see, but since Cole's not magical... He should be able to kill... <laughs> he should be able to kill whoever he wants. As long as they're bad! And yeah. I feel like those are the rules as have been established by Charmed. And later... You, we'll save it, but there's a Chris episode where they do kill a human bad guy with magic by disguising him to look like chris so the demonic bounty hunters who are after chris kill him and think that they don't have to fight yet so they'll stop hunting chris like but we we will get into chris when chris comes up anyway tyler's playing the video game and he dies in the video game or something and doesn't set things on fire and leo's like look he's controlling his power and okay i'm sorry leo there's a huge difference between he got touched by a turtle and your little mario guy fell off the fell off the edge and your foster mother is yelling at you and telling you you're worthless it's not the same it's not the same so i feel like this scene is kind of the linchpin to 
why Piper is so against binding children's powers. And, oh, this really works for me. I really like this. She talks about how she feels like if they had had their powers, if they had been aware of the magic world, if they had had their powers from a young age, which they did, but whatever, then they would be that much better at using them now. Like, And maybe, she doesn't say this, but maybe Prue wouldn't have died. And they let it be a subtle implication. She's like, things would have been different if we... If we had had all of that extra time to learn how to use our powers, we would be so much stronger now, and the world would be different. We would be in a better place. Ah, it's so well done. Also, this, I, I know, it, it can't work continuity-wise, but that was a thing in the episode when they went back in time. When they went back in time and their kid selves had their powers because it was before Grams bound them, Piper talks about how much better they are at using their powers as kids. Yeah, yeah. I Because, like, Grams let them use them all the time. She let them practice with them, and they were more powerful as children than when they got unlocked as 20-year-olds because they were starting from literally square one. So I know that you really like the, the sh to bind or not to bind conflict, and I recognize that thematically it's done well. It's just, it's really hard for me because from a practical standpoint, they keep acting like it's all or nothing and that's not the case. And so it really bothers me. Oh, yeah. Like, see, the thing about it is I, th I, I think Piper is wrong here, but I like that they've given me, I, I understand her motivation. I understand why she has her wrong opinion. <laughs> What, what, a, what a beautifully backhanded compliment there. It, it it doesn't need to make sense. It just needs to make sense to the character. Which, no, that's fair. That's fair. And, I mean, honestly, it's not played off like she's coming at this from a particularly logical standpoint. But, yes, it is, it is bad that this is being portrayed as an all-or-nothing thing. Yes. So Cole and Paige return home. I don't know why Paige had to drive Cole home. Like... Make him take a taxi or figure out the... San Francisco has such good public transit. He could have rode the BART or but, a streetcar. But whatever. He he. They come home and Phoebe runs out to greet him. And when she does so, she briefly flashes black and white. Hey, hey, are we going to be concerned now by any chance? No! <laughs> the answer is No! Piper's like, okay, clearly something's going on with Phoebe. I don't have time to deal with this. I'm going to go deal with Ludlow, the guy who wants the kid we're taking care of this episode. Cole, you don't have powers. You're basically useless. You just fix whatever's going on with Phoebe. See if you can get her to write a vanquish spell. We're going to go try to take care of this without one. I, I, <laughs> I, it's just they acknowledge that there's a problem, but it's not worth putting the A-team on. So... And the solution is ridiculously easy. That's true. It's true. So Tyler tells Piper and Leo that he wants to come with them when they go confront Ludlow, because after all, he has a super powerful power. And they tell him, no, he's a child. He can't come with them. They start to orb, and he just jumps on Leo's back so that he orbs with him, which, you know what? I, that was very brave, kid. You had no way of knowing that, like, your whole body would orb and that, like, he wouldn't take your torso and leave your head behind or something. Yes. Yes. You, you took a lot on faith there, but... But it worked. I also I also do enjoy the concept of jumping an orb. 
It, does, it seems like it shouldn't work since the orb is mental. It should have just dropped him, right? Because Leo wasn't, wasn't mentally trying to bring a child. It's not like a... It's not like a... Oh, no, I think it's a physical thing. Oh. If it's a physical thing, then how come... How come Paige's power works by shouting the name of the object she wants to grab? Because Paige sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry, Paige's active powers are really not great. No, but what I mean is, Paige doesn't think... I want to grab that object that's four feet away and pull it towards me. Paige thinks I want that wedding ring. And then the wedding ring jumps to her. Well, I, I think object teleportation is different than teleportation teleportation. Like, I think anything that you're physically touching comes with you. That's why you're not naked every time you orb. Okay, but if that's the case, then she should have pulled all of Phoebe with her later in the episode when she grabs the wedding ring. Again, object teleportation is different than teleportation. I feel like you're giving this show so much credit when, in fact, I am right, but that's okay. I'm just saying I accept the logic of being able to jump an orb by, or any kind of teleport by just grabbing whoever's teleporting. I guess. I'm sure that if Leo focused hard enough, he could have split it so that Tyler's torso just came with it. <laughs> I, I I think that instinctually you just take whatever's coming, like whatever's with you, with you. Okay. Okay. So they're all in front of Ludlow's house now, which, by the way, just looks like a normal house in the Hollywood Hills. And a bunch of bodyguards come out. Piper freezes them so that she can have an argument with Tyler. And Tyler's like, look, this is your inn. He wants me. This is how you get into the house so that you can vanquish him. He won't hurt me. I'll be safe. I'm coveted, remember? And Piper's like, ah. So, yeah. They're going to pretend to be demon bounty hunters who are bringing in Tyler now. And Piper's like, look, fine, okay, but first sign of trouble, you're leaving. You're not playing the hero here. Like, if it looks like this is about to turn, we go. So they unfreeze the, uh, they unfreeze the demons, the demon bouncers, the demon door guards. <laughs> the demon security guards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, we're we're bounty hunters and we're here to deliver this boy to Ludlow. And one of the security guys is like, what's the password? And Piper just blows him up. And one of the other guys is like, oh, yeah, that's the password. Okay. Why would you take that job as a security guard if you knew one of you has to die anytime anyone wants to go in? What's, okay, the thing is, the guy played, the guy who opens the gate for them plays it like that is the password, come on in. I feel like they could have chosen to play it a different way where he was like letting them in like, okay, fine, I'll let you in, that's the password, that's fine. As opposed to like, yeah, that's what we were expecting to happen. <sighs> now we're on to your favorite scene. Back at the manor, Phoebe is taking a bubble bath. And as we often saw Samantha Stevens do. As Yes, one of <laughs> Samantha Stevens' iconic bubble baths. And then Cole is like, hey, hey, what's going on? I, I need you to I need you to stand up and deal with this. And she does stand up and she's naked and, and just stands there what? naked. Like Samantha Stevens did all the time. Half of Bewitch was just her waving her bare breasts at the camera. By the way, she's flashing to black and white when she does this. And Paige comes in, and Paige is not disturbed that Phoebe is flashing black and white, but rather that she's seen her sister's boobs. And Cole's like, wait a second, she's flashing black and white. We were, we've, she, we've been weirdly talking about Bewitched all episode. Hey, hey, Paige, 
Boys, boys bewitched in black and white and Pedro's like yep for like the first season the early seasons were and Cole's like Eureka wait wait also let me show let me point out while they're having this conversation Phoebe's like I'm cold and Cole's like sit down because apparently she couldn't sit back down until her husband told her to like Samantha from <laughs> what what is this you know how you know how famously Samantha Stevens didn't do anything unless Darren said it was okay you know how that was basically the plot of bewitched so Cole's like, okay, come out of the bathtub. And she's like, wee, you can almost kind of see my butt when I come out of this tub. Is that titillating enough for you? This is going to be the entire preview for this episode, basically. So Cole has established that whatever is happening has to do with Bewitched. Which, by the way, I just want to point out, it doesn't. It doesn't. Because we know that Graham's cursed the ring to be like a 50s style, a 50s, 60s style housewife. Yeah. That's not necessarily bewitched. If anything, be Donna, Donna Reed. Reed. Or the whoever the mother was and father knows best. Like. Yeah. Like bewitched was granted very, very mildly, but it was subversive. Yes. Like it didn't have like Samantha wore pants and stuff. Right. Did Samantha wear pants? I but. I believe she did in later seasons, yeah. Because Laura Petri broke the ceiling on women being allowed to wear pants on TV. It was it was a fight. It was a fight for Laura Petri to be able to wear pants on the Dick Van Dyke show. People were mad about that. People were big mad about that. Also, fun fact that I'm sure most of our audience knows because they love television as much as we do, and I know you know, mm-hmm. but in the Mary Tyler Moore show, they made it be a broken engagement instead of a divorce as it was originally written because they didn't want anyone doing a headcanon that this was Laura Petrie having broken up with Rob. They yes. did not want that even even, even momentarily planted in people's heads. And I, you know what? I respect that. The first season has a lot of, look, this is not a divorce thing. Remember when she and Roto go to that divorce club? They lie about being divorced so that they can take advantage of the travel plan <laughs> that the divorce club has. You know what? The Mary Tyler Moore show is pretty good. Yeah. The first couple of seasons really hold up well. I famously do not like the later seasons. I know a lot of people do. but Okay, so I know you don't like the later seasons as much, but I'm sorry. And I, and I know that the reason that I love the later seasons is not a thing you love, but Sue Ann Nivens, my God. Love her so much. So do you just like the brief window where Rhoda is there and Sue Ann Evans is there? That's the ideal moment. Yes, that's the ideal moment. No, I'm a season one, season two, season three on the edge, but I don't like when they prettied up Rhoda because like Valerie Morgenstern was already, she was already pretty, just the... The weird thing where they're like, oh, we're not going to dress her in shapeless clothes anymore. We're going to stop acting like she's not a very pretty woman. Well, but that's the thing. They didn't do anything to pretty her up. Like you said, they just stopped acting like she wasn't already gorgeous. Well, they had the episode where she's like, I lost 30 pounds or whatever. And it's like, did you? Did, did... did they just stop putting you in baggy clothes? <laughs> anyway, uh, Piper, Leo, and Tyler have entered the foyer of doom. Okay, it's so weird because it's so clearly like a living room from a McMansion in Hollywood, but they've like put gothy stuff around it. Like it it's it's like it's like half demon place and half like investment banker living room. 
So Ludlow lightning teleports into the chair behind the desk. You know what? He's got style. He's got flair. He wasn't there until he lightning teleported into the chair. He's the Manny. Leo and Piper are like, we're the bounty hunters. Give us our payment. We'll give you the kid. And, and we don't want any surprises because we hate surprises, which is Piper's cue to blow him up, except that. You can't use powers in here. He, he, unlike some sisters I could name, knows how to properly ward his house so that people inside it can't use their magic. Okay, literally everything else about this aside, is this guy like the best demon boss we ever get, you know, in Charmed? Because he's like, look, I get that you tried to kill me because you're afraid I won't pay you because that's the thing in Charmed. People are always just blowing up their minions. But I find that you get better results when you don't blow up people who are successful. So even though you did try to kill me, I'm still going to pay you if this kid turns out to be a fire starter. And, and Tyler tries to demonstrate his powers by setting the guy on fire. And nothing happens. And Piper's like, well, yeah, he's scared. And... The and Ludlow's like, well, hey, kid, I'm gonna kill you. And Piper's like, that's he's scared. That's not helping. He's like, fine, I'm gonna kill them. You seem to have developed some kind of connection with them. I'll kill them. And Tyler's like, no. And he he sets Ludlow on fire with his mind. And then Ludlow's like, no, I'm on fire. I'm gonna die. I just kidding. I'm a demon. Good job, kid. Which raises the question as to why the source is so hep to get this kid's power if upper level demons are immune to it. I have a lot of questions, like why the bounty hunters weren't prepared to be set on fire. They were literally going after a kid who's a fire starter. Mm. But Bloodlow does some sort of sleep freezing magic on the kid, so the kid is passed out now. And then he tosses Leo and Piper out the door with magic. So are they getting money or underworld points or something? Because I assume it's I assume that it's been put into their crypto wallet. <laughs> Dear Lord. The underworld absolutely uses Bitcoin. So even even here in Charmed, thirty years before Bitcoin was invented, it was invented here in hell, or in in Hollywood. So Leo's like, look, I'll go get your sisters. We'll see if we can because Piper tries to get back into the house, Ludlow's base, and the you know wards that Ludlow has put up deflect her. She tries blowing them up. No going. Uh, Leo's like, look, I'll get your sisters. We'll power of three up a, uh, you know, we'll power of three up something to break through. We'll rescue Tyler. And don't worry, he wants Tyler's powers. And as we all know, someone has to be alive for you to get their powers. Oh, God, we've definitely never had people be killed for their powers before. So, you know, chillax, bro. So Leo, Leo teleports orbs back to the manor. In the attic, Cole is going through the Book of Shadows trying to figure out how to fix Phoebe, who is completely black and white now. Also, her outfit is now, like, an A-line dress with a cardigan and pearls, and she is crocheting little baby booties. And she's full black and white, but I appreciate that the yarn that she's using, which is even, even on screen, you can tell it's that really cheap lionheart acrylic yarn and as such it is not going into black and white so we was like uh uh okay can we just deal with this as quickly as possible and 
Leo tries to talk Phoebe out of being under a spell. He's like, Phoebe, Phoebe. Remember who you are. We have to go save a kid. And she's like, I'm not Phoebe. I'm Mrs. Cole Turner. And they have this dumb little conversation where Cole's like, you've been acting strange. And Phoebe's like, no, I'm acting normal. And Cole's like, which is strange for you. And she's not acting normal. What? Why are you accepting the premise? Cole's like, why have you been acting like this ever since you put that ring on your finger? And And then Paige is like, wait a second. The ring. Wasn't Grams married like a hundred times? Maybe she put a spell on the ring that would remind her not to get married a whole bunch by turning her into what she's afraid of, which is someone who's lost in the... Okay, listen, listen. First of all, I appreciate that Paige is on the ball more than anyone else. The second, the second she decided to care what was going on, she was like, oh, it's obviously the ring. What's the (laughs) one new thing about Phoebe? I would, Phoebe was like, I'm never giving up this ring. She's just like, I'll just orbit to me then. Okay, done. This plot is literally resolved with my power. Done. Ring. And then she reads the inscription inside the ring, which says, to gain another is to lose yourself. And she's like, oh, well, so cursed ring. Did no one, did no one look at the inscription in the ring before you put it on the finger? Read the inscriptions, people. And listen, listen. I know that what she says is happening is that Grams put a curse on the ring so that she would remember not to get married again. And as you have pointed out when we were watching this, and as is absolutely true, that makes no sense. Why would you brainwash yourself into having a completely different persona to remind yourself not to get... What? But, but, Paige is just making that guess. Like, she doesn't know for a fact that that's what's going on with the ring. Yeah, if anything, I would assume that, like, one of Grams's suitors, which, because we know Grams likes to, uh... What's a delicate way to phrase this? Pork demons. We know that Grams likes to uh, walk on the wild side a bit. I would just assume that this was one that one of her exes was a demon and this was a plot or something. Okay, so my headcanon that I came up with now, having watched this show 20 years prior and didn't really have an answer until now, my headcanon, which I think I kind of want to write into a fan fiction, is that Grams put this curse on the ring not to curse herself, but to curse Patty, who mm. was thinking about getting remarried after... After they sent Victor away. Honestly, she could have done it to stop her from marrying Victor in the first place. Oh, yeah, you're right. That's the story I'm going to write. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So this was meant not to deter herself, but to deter her daughter, which makes sense because using your, you know, your mother's wedding ring is a total thing. That's the whole reason they were using this ring in the first place. So, yes, that is my headcanon. And I, there's nothing that, there's nothing that disputes it. And also... The whole thing that Grams did it to curse herself is just a guess. So that is my, that is my answer. So now that Phoebe has been so easily uncursed, like she didn't even have to learn a lesson. They just took the ring off her finger. But everyone has, is back at the gates. They're trying all of their magic, but no dice. Even the power of three isn't strong enough to break through this, uh, Although, to be fair, the power of three spell that Phoebe writes on the fly is door unlock, no magic block. Door unlock, no magic block. If we hadn't seen arguably dumber spells work in this, but yes, that is a, that is a pretty, it's a pretty shitty power of three spell. But then 
they hear Tyler screaming and Piper just blows the shit out of the Piper. Her maternal instinct causes a rise of adrenaline inside her magic and she just blasts the doors down. Which it's incredibly hokey, but yeah, I, like I, it. I really like it. And again, I know I say this so much. I love how much Piper is becoming the tank of this show. I love how powerful they let Piper be because that's that's always an issue in this sort of show. It's the reason why Willow basically sits on her ass for all of season seven of Buffy. When you have a character that's that level of powerful, usually the way they make it so that there can still be conflict is by cutting them off at the knees. Yeah. And they just let Piper be the most powerful goddamn witch on the planet. And she is. She blasts into the mansion. They blast into where Ludlow is. Oh, by the way, Ludlow's sucking the power out of Tyler because as we we mentioned, or as we implied earlier, you you absolutely can steal powers out of someone. You don't need them to be alive. Yeah, this, this is, uh, it's one of those, I'd love to have you for dinner. <laughs> right. So... Then it's time to vanquish Ludlow with a power of three. And did I mention already how Paige is becoming my goddamn favorite? You have, but this this is the bit. I think you thought this happened earlier because you've referenced it a few times. This is Paige's first power of three spell that she's written. Oh, did I reference it on this podcast? I referenced it when we were talking, you and I off mic. Oh, uh, yeah. There, there was an earlier episode where you, you oh, thought okay. she did, but... Yes. So Paige is like, I wrote, the, I wrote the spell to vanquish Ludlow, and it is, the spell is... Brutal winter gives way to flowers of spring. Ludlow is vanquished because she wrote a haiku. She wrote a vanquishing haiku. Yeah, she's like, she's like, I, I don't see why they have to rhyme, right? We can just do whatever and it works except for that, <laughs> except for that dumb door unlock magic no block spell Phoebe gasp. I also have to point out that this is a real haiku. Uh, a haiku is not just five seven five syllables wise. Haiku also has to be two contrasting images with a middle line that unites the contrasting images. So brutal winter and Ludlow is vanquished are the contrasting images. So it's brutal winter gives way to flowers of spring. Ludlow is vanquished. This is a proper haiku. Mm. Good job, charmed. Also, I love Paige. Also, Ludlow blows up. Yes, Ludlow blows up, and uh, yeah, episode over. Uh, Leo heals Tyler because Tyler was unfrozen enough to scream, but still pretty frozen. Oh yeah. And not frozen the way, not frozen the way that Piper freezes things like frozen with ice. And Leo tells us he's going to make it. Don't worry. Obviously he's going to make it Leo. That's how healing works. (laughs) Although then back at the manor, he wants his powers bound. So yeah, he, uh, he talks to Piper about how like with everything that's going on, he feels like, it's too much responsibility right now. And Piper's like, look, okay, we're making you a potion that will bind but not strip your powers. You know, just in case you want to come back later. Yeah, like in the comics per se. Right. But it will bind your powers. If you feel like you want to have access to them, here is our phone number. Anytime you want to reach out to us, you can come and we can help you when you feel like you are ready for them. And then they send him away, this 12-year-old child with no family. Well, Paige, <laughs> Paige off-screen found him a nice foster home, so okay. we don't have to worry about it. It's okay. <laughs> He's with Ross's mom. But 
Leo and Piper have a little wrap-up conversation where Piper's like, I still think that magic's a gift. Like, I, I accept that Tyler made the right choice for him, but I still think that magic's a gift, and I still want our child to be raised in our world. She also she also does the whole, I wanted to teach Tyler, but it turns out he taught me. Mm-hmm. She also talks about how she respects Grams's decision, so we're just straight up ignoring the whole, the reason that Grams bound their powers was because a warlock was after yep, them. Yeah, we don't worry about that anymore. Although, I guess technically Tyler is kind of in the same position, but, uh... Oh yeah, I guess he is, isn't he? Yeah. Speaking of Grams's decision, we get one last scene with Cole and, uh, and Phoebe in the bathtub. Now they're, now they're both in the bathtub. Is this a, is this a bathroom we've seen before it's been a while since we've talked bathrooms it's not the shower it's not the room with the shower in it it looks to me like the bathroom where prue was attacked in the dream sorcerer episode you're right which is different than the bathroom she was in when she was attacked by barbus yes yes okay so do they have a shower bathroom and a bathtub bathroom i guess that yeah i, guess that I think that sense. must be what they have okay, so we are still going on the two bathroom thing that appears to be the case so now that Phoebe has lost herself, ironically, she's like, oh, that was a different era. I'm not going to lose myself to a man. I am okay now. Okay, whatever. And they throw the ring down the drain, which seems like not the best thing to do with a piece of magical jewelry, but whatever. I think she says that she took the curse off of it first. So that, you know, whoever finds it isn't going to. Or does she say that? No, no. Some person's going to find this piece of jewelry. It's okay. Once it's once it's in the sewer, it's gone forever. You know, maybe there's gonna be a rat that turns into a sitcom. It's that thing that I was just saying about the. It's the thing we were saying at the top of the episode about the cursed My Little Ponies, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're sending that out in the universe. As long as it's someone you don't know, it's fine. Episode over. So I really like the Piper. As I said multiple times, as I said so many times, I really, I really do like the a plot of this episode. I like the concept behind the B plot, but it was, it needed a few more drafts. Yeah. I, you know what? I feel like this episode was fine. I didn't hate the B plot as much as you did, even though it is really like offensively not what Bewitched is, but whatever. Hate is a strong word. I didn't like it. It wasn't really in the episode enough for it to, for me to have any strong feelings about it. Well, so I didn't dislike that plot as much as you did. I, I won't use hate. I didn't dislike that plot as much as you did. And I didn't like the Firestarter plot as much as you did. So I'm kind of. Yes, you were you are on a more emotionally neutral ground on this episode than I was. <laughs> the next episode is Charmed and Dangerous. The source taps into the power of the hollow, draining all magical powers. This is the end of the classic source. Uh yeah, I think it is. This is the end of the classic source and the setup for This is this is the beginning of Cole as the source of all evil. Thank God. Oh, I am psyched. <laughs> Yeah, human Cole's been kind of floundering a bit. It does seem we like we had it, it for two episodes. It seems like it would have been a good engine for stories, but nope. Eh. All right, much like the charmed ones, we have our own power of three. The first power in our pack is premonition. Who 
in this episode is, was, or will become famous. We had a really big one, which is weird because he doesn't show up until halfway through the episode. Okay, so that doesn't seem weird to me because clearly he was like, you can have me for four hours and that's it, then I'm done. He doesn't even leave the one room. They definitely shot all of his scenes in one go. So uh, and what's funny to me is that we didn't even hint at who it was, but the Ludlow was played by... Ray Wise. Famous guy who you get when you want someone to be the devil. When you need a devil, you call Ray Wise or a Ray Wise type. I mean, he's been... I mean, specifically Reaper, right? He was the devil in Reaper. He's... I wonder how Reaper stood up. I watched it a few years after it came out and it seemed like a really good background show. I, I didn't love it or anything, but... It was fine. I mean, and also, the uh, but the thing that I think people most know him for... Uh, maybe this is just me being a nerd, but I think the thing he's most famous for is Leland Palmer in Twin Peaks, mm. Laura Palmer's father. Mm. He is the guy you would get if you want a show to feel surreal right off the bat. Yeah. Dude has strong, sinister energy. He is super sinister. I really wish he'd been in more of the episode. It does feel like they could only get him for a few hours, and that's why they did it his scenes the way they did. Which is too bad, because Ray Wise is someone you could really make a uh, meal out of, guest star-wise. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that was all I had for this episode. I didn't even bother looking up anyone else, because it was Ray Wise. Yeah. The big one. M- maybe I should have. Maybe I should have checked to see if the Tyler kid became anybody. Should I check? Should I check and see if Tyler became anyone? Yeah. That actor's name was Alex Black, and his other roles include... Boy in Tram in Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy as an eight-year-old in Bubble Boy. And young Chris in 13 Going on 30. It seems almost like he was the guy you got when you wanted the younger version of another character. Yeah, like that uh, one girl who's the child version of everyone in every TV show ever. The one who's the child version of both Rebecca in... Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And also is the child version of, is she the, I forget if she's the child version of Snow White or Regina in Once Upon a Time. I'm pretty sure she's the child version of Regina in Once Upon a Time. I kind of love that. I I love the idea that their, their characters are related in that way. So that's it for Premonition. Our, uh, the second Power Nerd pack is Time Freeze. What specifically dated this episode? I feel like we were really into sitcoms. I mean, you, you. Let me back up. I feel like we went through a period in the late 2000s where we were really into kind of mocking certain sitcoms that had an older feel to them, right? Well, it was the Brady Bunch movie thing, right? That's right. I was going to bring up the Brady Bunch movie. We also had the very, very bad Bewitched movie. And we were kind of trying to re-examine what these shows had done in a way that ignored what they actually did do. Like, Bewitched is actually a really interesting show, and to dismiss it the way this show did feels very early 2000s to me. I mean, it's a show about assimilation. That was the big thing that we got when we were watching it for WandaVision. And the problem with assimilation, right? Like, it's not pro-assimilation. Yeah. And I, yeah, so for this show to just present it as being unambiguously in favor of giving up yourself is offensive. Also, the go-to for this kind of thing, as we mentioned earlier in this episode, is usually Donna Reed. But Donna Reed is actually a very interesting figure, and 
I mean, she had a lot of power behind, like, like she was basically the showrunner, right? She was. She had, yes, she had a lot of power on her own show. So, anyway, I, I think that kind of the unexamined acceptance of what it was to be a woman in the 1950s and the 1960s is part of what felt like a time freeze to me. Also, just the re-examination of these sitcoms in general felt very early 2000s to me. Mine was Tyler's haircut. <laughs> That's the thing that dated this episode for me. That was that was the haircut of the time if you were a child. And I, I just wanted to throw out there that right around this time, Gilmore Girls was doing the same plot with without magic with uh, Rory pretending to be Donna Reed when Dean wanted to get married and have a have a stay-at-home housewife in one of the episodes mm. i mean she did it kind of like a sarcastic joking way but it's it's an interesting episode i believe that will take us to the final power in our pack uh telekinesis what if anything genuinely moved you i mean honestly i felt really i felt really level and unactivated this episode okay i i had it i uh i had it with the scene where piper talks about why she wishes they had their powers that really worked for me and especially especially the fact that she doesn't out and out say that she thinks prue would still be alive if they had been more powerful you know if they had been practicing their powers their whole lives and they had been more capable witches she just talks about how different their lives would be and they just have prue as an implication there and it works it works as both the implication of Prue and also that they would have defeated the source by now and she and Leo could have the life that she wants. Yeah. That really landed for me. The fact that Charmed managed to be subtle, I know that's such a double edged compliment there, but just and again, this is why you give this sort of scene to Holly Marie Combs, because she can play the subtext. Yes. I actually have uh, some of our secret powers, too, for this Oh, episode. my goodness. Okay. Okay, levitation. What, you know, what made you go, fuck yeah, and rise into the air. We need to find a better way to describe that. But, you know, what was the fuck yeah moment? Which is different than what, you know, moved you emotionally. It's such a cliche. It's such a cliche. The fact that Piper managed to break the unbreakable uh, wall Just... through the power of mom rage. Yes. Like... And did you also have a molecular combustion? Because I mentioned one earlier in the episode, but then I dismissed it. I decided it was okay. Yeah, I, it's the same thing. It's the sort of thing that you have to just accept, and it's not a big thing. But how and why the sisters' powers were bound is really discontinuity with the episode where we see their powers being bound. Yeah, it really did blow up past continuity to also, do that. Also, I'm curious as to... Like, did they bind Paige's powers before dropping her off at the, uh, because we know she did use them at least once. I didn't even think about that! What?! Oh god, now this is gonna bother- You know what? I finally got one part of this episode dealt with in my headcanon, and now you've gone and raised that. I don't even- Oh, I'll have to deal with that now. I guess maybe they could have just bound her witch powers and that was her white light power- I don't know. And Whatever. Who cares? Magic was always a part of Paige. That'll do it for this week. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Maracruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan. 
If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode or any episode or any episode of any television show, you can tweet at us at I Love TV Zines or email us at I Love Television Zines at gmail.com. So until next time, I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this has been Welcome to the Hollowell Manor. Thank you.